Hi guys, welcome to the All Things Running Podcast. It's your host Jacob here and today I sit down and talk with a guest who's been on the podcast before actually, uh, Yurisil Anikes. This time around, unlike the last time, we talk more about coaching. We don't really go into his background and how he has come into the sport with coaching and running, but you can go to that episode if you'd like and hear more about him as an individual this episode we more so break down coaching philosophies talking about different training styles we break down specific training methodologies from the uh the professional running scene like that of Jakob Ingebrigtsen who does the Norwegian style training with the double lactate uh threshold days and a lot of lactate measurements and we also talk about Elliot Kipchoge and CJ Albertson. So three different professionals who have different training styles and we just kind of break them down and talk about them. Uh, I think for a couple of them, I didn't break down the training schedules that I had provided for yours to look at. So I will drop those in the description so you can look at how these professionals are training on a weekly basis when they're deep into training. Um, in addition to that, we also break down some simple workouts as well as some more complicated ones. Yours talks through the purpose he sees behind each workout, where they should be implemented, and how. So all in all, I think this is a really good chat. And towards the end, we also talk a little bit about his coaching as he recently picked up a coaching position for Robert Morris University uh, College in outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So having said that, I hope you guys enjoy this one. It's a good one. And uh, I also just want to apologize. The first 20 minutes of the episode I had to cut out because we were having a lot of network connection issues and it was really choppy and honestly, you couldn't really listen to it. Uh, So it was incoherent. So I I threw that out. But what you guys are going to hear is the best discussions we had in the episode. So, And I apologize for how long it went, but... I hope you enjoy nonetheless, and you can always break it up and listen to it in separate days, uh, first half one day, second half another. So having said that, I'll shut up now and enjoy the episode. So we're, we're back at it. We're, we're going to uh, – we'll move on to the uh, the nerd talk <laughs> section, I call it. Uh, so I just – the first things first, I kind of want to talk about training styles because, you know, I think broadly speaking, like training looks very similar f- across – the spectrum for for running but there are different niches and approaches that coaches take in in like making their athlete peak at the right time in place um so and you kind of talked about this before but you you mentioned there's like you described three overarching training methodologies and i kind of forget what the other two were where <laughs> they wrote the first one energy system but yeah like could you take me through that because you explained it really well last time we talked yeah the the like this is kind of uh i don't know if this is like uh the right way to think about it but um and and it's more of like a idea that i've kind of thought through recently because i'm always um i think i think one thing is i'm always trying to like evaluate and listen and i was i was thinking about how i wanted to explain why we were doing something um with somebody and we were, and I just kind of got thinking about it more. And uh, I kind of settled on these, like kind of bucketing these training philosophies into three areas where it's, um, cause like a lot of times you hear like, oh, it's like a, oh, I'm a, I'm speed or I'm high mileage or I'm, you know, everyone's lydiard and it's like, okay, but what does that, what does that mean? And I kind of started thinking of it in a different way. And that 
that was um, kind of your like, you have a coach that's like really focused on the energy systems. Um, it's very similar to like Adam State, the V Hill kind of system. Um, is like the really classic example, and that that is where we're gonna work. Like we're gonna be really really scientific about our training, and we're going to work like an energy system like really hard or pretty hard like every day. Like we're gonna focus on our central nervous system this day our neuromuscular system our you know and then you're working on your aerobic system the next day and like in theory because you're switching the energy systems you're able to like fully um work and like get adaptation from each of those every day um i think with that you you risk a little bit of burnout and i think there's some overlap in the the next system which is kind of the um, I, th I think I see a lot where it's like, we're going to look for consistent. So the second bucket is kind of like, we're going to space out our work where we're just going to do, like, we're still going to have our workout days and everything, but there's like, we're going to do something every day and we're going to always be like trying to get better every day. And like, you're never having like a really easy day. You're never having, you're like always, it's like the, all the time. oh, you're running your easy days too fast, right? It's, it's that like, it's the like, I'm always pushing myself. I'm always looking to get something out of this day. And I think a good way to think of it is like, I'm always looking to get something out of this day on, on our aerobic side. Like, even if it's like on a lesser stance, like, right. Even if it's like, oh, I'm going to run all my easy days at six minute pace right? Like that's a, that's a more aerobically challenging than running eight minute pace. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, it's like, I'm going to space out all this work. I'm going to run my 80 miles a week, but I'm going to do it in a way where I never have an easy day. Like, um, you know, for, for example, right. Where I'm never having like that true, like shut off easy day. And then I think there's, um, the third bucket that I kind of put it into is, your like high, your high, low, high, low bucket, your, um, your really hard training and your really easy, easy days. Um, and I think, I think the way, and like there's, and that's a, those, these are really big generalizations where every system bleeds into each other to an extent. Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely fall mostly into that last category with, um, with my exercise science background, I like, I would say I bleed in a little bit of the energy system stuff too, where, you know, where we're doing our week, where we're doing, um, like some max velocity neuromuscular training the day before workouts as a muscle priming. Mm -hmm. So those are the days that we're going to put our like drills in and maybe work on a little more speed stuff than, uh, a traditional distance program. And then like, we'll, we'll do, especially for our mid distance people. Um, I would say for our mid distance people and some people that really need, uh, some more form work and a little more pop in their stride, they might do a little more and it's like real neuromuscular training, bounding like 30 meter flies, like real, real sprinting, um, mm -hmm. on those days before workouts. 
Um, and if you think about it, that's the way everyone does it. It's just now everyone does just strides, but what strides are supposed to be is essentially that. It's just now everyone, oh, I did a stride. And it's like, you time yourself and it's like a 40 second, 200. And you're like, was it really a stride? Like we always called them, we always, uh, we always called them phantom strides at school. <laughs> Back in school, you'd see someone that was just, they were just exhausted, right? We're running like a hundred miles a week and you'd see someone do their strides on a Monday. And it's like, they're like, they're putting all the motion in all the effort and it, they're just going slower than they're like, easy. <laughs> they're going as slow as like the general run pace. And you're like, <laughs> they call them phantom strides. But like when you, when you think about it like that, um, I think the way we do that max velocity stuff makes a lot more sense. It's just, we, we just put a little more purpose on it because I think nowadays um, in our, like in the way, like, the running world talks about strides it's like everyone does it and no one takes it serious anymore because it's something you just constantly hear right it's mm-hmm. you know oh yeah I, I run it's like the person that just says oh i run and you ask them how much they run like uh you ran a month ago once <laughs> it's like you don't <laughs> do you really run it's like oh yeah i do strides yeah but like do you really do strides <laughs> so uh um, yeah yeah so yeah and and I definitely, um, but yeah, I definitely really believe in that third one um, the most. I just, everything that I've learned and known is like to, you have to stress your system and then you have to give it a chance to adapt, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people hear, um, hear professional distance where I was running their easy days at six minute pace. And you're like, oh, well, if I have, I have to run six minute pace to get there. And it's like, well, no, they, they didn't start doing that until they were 24. And they're also running 350 in the mile. So that really is a lot easier for mm-hmm. them than you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's just tough. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, so, sometimes, uh, like I'd look at the pit team, the guys running their easy runs at like 630 pace. And I'm like, really? Like that, that, that can't be easy for them. But like, I mean, they're quite a bit faster than me. Yeah. So to them, it probably is like a relatively easy effort. Uh, and... it, you, you make it feel easy. I've been there before with like, mm-hmm. I think you get, you get used to it. You kind of get numb to it. And then yeah. once you start, once you start to actually take your easy days easy, you see the real benefits of that. And you're like, oh, oh, that, that wasn't really easy. <laughs> but like, one, like, once you get to a certain level, you can make six minutes or 630 pace feel relatively easy mm-hmm. um, from an aerobic standpoint once you get in there. But it's, it's just more taxing than, it reali- than you realize, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that, like in terms of my philosophy, I guess. And I don't know, over time, it just kind of became that, um, you know, in the past, I think I would only give myself a day recovery between workouts. And uh, I feel like I'd be like, kind of like, half stressing systems three times a week with like long run, it'd be like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Uh, like I did that for my Toledo marathon buildup, and it worked all right. Uh, like I would do I run Tuesday workout take off entirely Wednesday and then I do a Thursday workout. It was like, 
it was kind of not ideal. Yeah. <laughs> like I go into the Thursday yeah. workout feeling kind of bad. And then I would just like power through and probably be working way too hard and, and not really properly recover for the Saturday long run. And then I think, I think I learned a lot from that and the importance of just like really taking your easy days easy so you can recover and actually hit workouts hard. Uh, Cause yeah, otherwise like I've seen a lot of athletes who kind of just gray line and they're always working like kind of hard every day and they, they don't improve as fast as they could if they were to really take their recovery seriously. Cause a lot of these yeah. people are like, uh, and I say that for people who are like more inexperienced runners who haven't been running for many, many years. So like, I just, I've seen that a lot and I, I agree with you that I think it's really important to, um, take your easy days, like actually easy. And, uh, ever since I started doing that, I've seen a lot more improvement in my, in my running. So yeah, yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. And I think there, and there's times like the thing that I try to get across with our, with our kids here is there's times for us to build that like dense aerobic base with like a lot of days at six minute pace over the summer when we're not really working out <laughs> when when you don't have things to recover from and we're looking for like steadier efforts more consistently right and we're not trying to hit like we might be even sprinting in the summer right but mm -hmm. doing our like our max velocity central nervous system kind of stuff if we're sprinting two days a week well that's not really doing anything for you aerobically like you really shouldn't feel tired from that in those for like from like a running standpoint like you'll feel a little you'll feel fatigued but it's it's different than that like um if you've really really done like and i never really understood this for a while but if you've if you've never really done like a sprinter's workout um it's just a different kind of fatigue and it's a fatigue that you can kind of like you can run aerobically through that and it's nothing it's it's not something that like really hinders your aerobic ability from like from the sense of like running like 620 pace um for 10 miles it you know it's something that just feels a little tired like you feel a little um just more tired so like over the summer yeah i might you know we might say hey make sure make sure most of your days are m under seven minute pace and like run this long run a little harder and then you're going to sprint two days a week but um and then as soon as we start workouts it's like hey make sure you're really recovering from that workout right like once you really start like a high intensity aerobic workout um where you're where you're really doing some muscular damage and you know running six miles at a pretty hard pace yeah. um we want to recover from those efforts right so yeah it sounds like i mean you said that like you use the third system mostly where you're hot like really emphasizing recovery getting those tuesday friday workouts in or monday thursday or whatever where you have two days in between so you can hit them hard uh but like and you bleed in the energy system a little bit with priming the day before but it sounds like there are times also like in the summer where you're even hitting that second system a little bit where you're just kind of fatiguing them aerobically a little bit every day while, while they're not really doing like intensive workouts to, to kill themselves out there. Uh, yeah, which, for sure. Which, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So like you kind of almost do all three in a way, just at different times, depending on when it yeah. is. <laughs> so I guess one thing I, I, 
like I could use a little bit of clarity on is that the differences between the second and first systems, like the energy system and kind of more the aerobic fatiguing every day. So is the first system more about like one day it's all about, you know, VO two max the next day it's all about aerobic the next day it's all about like, like specific zone each day versus the second, which is more of like an aerobic taxing every day. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's, that's the way I, that's the way I would think about it. It's like, there's just mm -hmm. like, and the second is, is just kind of like, we're, we're going to run. Like if you, if you see the program, you, you see it and you like, they, they tend to have like the medium long run in it. And it tends to be programs where like, it's like trying to hit, like you're hitting really like a lot, like 10 miles every day. There's not a day, like you don't have, like I think a telltale thing would be like, you don't have your like, you don't have like a shutoff day. Like even in, even in the first system, they might, they might, it might be like, hey, we don't care what pace you run for aerobically, but when you get done with your aerobic run, we're we're taxing your central nervous system, right? It's like very specific in that sense. Um, and then and then there might be a shutoff day after the third or fourth day, right? Where you're mm -hmm. really recovering from those efforts. Um, I mean, they, I think they're fairly, I think they can overlap a lot, but I think there's like when you see when you see it like written out on a paper, I can, it's like, it's kind of easy to see because there's like, we're going to run, it's basically, we're going to run kind of hard every day in that second system. And in the first system, you're like, we're going to, we're going to run really hard in these specific ways mm -hmm. every day. But like outside of that, like, because we're doing it in like really specific ways, you should be able to recover from it. And I don't know if you always can. And I think that's, um, I think when you can and when you take recovery seriously, um, it's, it works out, but it's, um, it, I think you, I think it's a high reward and high risk philosophy, <laughs> if I, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I personally <laughs> cannot like imagine doing kind of like gray lining every day uh just because like for the in terms of mental my mental state um i feel like i would just get burnt out really quick if i was like kind of working every day um and i used to do that like freshman year i remember nick cardamone our top guy on the club team i was i looked up to him a lot but i would try to i would be hauling it every easy day every day of the week to try to keep up with him because he's going like 645 pace and my easy run should have been at that point in time, like seven thirty, and I'm hauling it every day. And it was really exhausting. Like I, I definitely like really screwed up my freshman year in terms of training and like a lot of overuse injuries, just trying to keep up with them. And so I think that's important to consider is like mental burnout. Like, are, are you going to be able to sustain this type of training yeah. in the long term? Because for some people, like that just doesn't work, but other people can do it. And it it's worked for some, like there are professional athletes who make that work. I mean, like, yeah. And, the when you get into the professional side of things too you know that that is your job right so i've talked to some yeah. I, i've i've talked to some people where where they're like yeah i don't think i could do it but if i didn't sleep for like 12 hours a day 
they're like literally like i take like a yeah. like i like oh yeah when we, when we were training like that i took a two-hour nap and mm-hmm. you know slept a minimum of 10 to 11 hours every night because i was so tired it's like well yeah if you can if you can manage to do that yeah i mean like hey, i physically don't think i can sleep that long <laughs> absolutely not no i'm 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 awake after like eight hours no matter what like no matter what i mean sleep is the number one tool to recover as well so if you can sleep have you sleep 12 hours props to you because that's kind of insane and if you can do that i mean and you got nothing else to do but run you could definitely kind of work hard every day for sure um but yeah that's i mean like i, I think ben blankenship he's kind of he kind of does that like he works fairly hard every day for for what it's worth like i mean most of his easy runs are like 6 30 and down in terms of pace like which probably is decently easy for him but like i mean he's he's he does work and like I saw on his Strava the other day, he said he doesn't believe in garbage miles. Like all miles have to be like kind of fast or something. I'm like, what is this guy on about? Like he's, <laughs> de- he's definitely like one of those cases where he's kind of working every day. Uh, but we'll talk about him later. Cause I have him in the, in the, in the little <laughs> section at the end. Um, but yeah. Okay. So I guess one thing I want to hear before we talk about some specific athletes and their kind of training styles is uh, what would a perfect week of training look like in your eyes in terms of, you know, covering like strength training, you know, plyometrics, you mentioned like hill repeats, uh, just workouts, like kind of everything outside of running as well. I know that kind of can be a lot, but like, <laughs> like, like just lifting, you know, like yeah. all those things, what would a perfect week look like in your eyes from Monday to Sunday, say maybe it, when someone's deep into base building and they're hitting 30 minute tempos. Yeah. If we're, if we're, if we're talking a seven week schedule, I think, I think the ideal, Think, I, I do think the ideal schedule is kind of where everyone's going now, which is like a 10 day schedule. But if we're, if we're holding ourselves to a seven day schedule, just for the sake of our society and work and the everyday person, um, I think it's, for me, it's, it's Monday is going to be like this, like max velocity day um, where we will do like, depth jumps tuck jumps some bounding some uh various usually usually one day strides one day short hills um and monday and thursday just repeat each other so um relatively there might be some small exercise changes just to um, try to keep it pretty condensed uh condensed there and quick um because i don't want to take away from the run and we don't want for like college athletes, we don't want them to have them. We don't want like a three hour practice. Um, so it's, you know, it's an hour run come in and we've got about 25 minutes of like plyometric, like kind of routine box jumps, very, whatever resources we have. So there's a lot of things we can do. Uh, pogos are a really big one. Um, as as we get into the season, we'll do we'll do some overspeed stuff with some bands so that we're jumping a little farther and farther than we actually can, um, and that's so the over like that kind of overspeed stuff is teaching our muscle to like reach a higher potential basically, um, and is really really well substantiated to like improving your speed. What is that? Um, so, I don't even know what that is. What does that look like? So it's it's a little hard, but basically basically what you want to do, so overspeed would be like downhill running, right? 
but it's really dangerous, right? So if you can have a band pulling you, so it gets really tricky with, uh, with distance runners because we're not like training into the beast sprinters. So the risk for injury, I think is a little too high. So I try to, we try to work it in in other ways. So one way, one way that we try to work it in is with various jumps with like a band holding us. So we'll do our pogos with a band that actually pull you up higher. So lessens injury risk, but you're creating force through the ground in a, with, with greater potential than you normally could. Um, so we're trying to mimic some of that overspeed stuff without increasing our risk for injury with the downhill sprinting. So mm-hmm. um, you'll see, you'll see uh, the, the recent Italian um, that won the hundred meter. I think oh yeah. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Him. So yeah. you'll see, you'll see, he, he does a lot of overspeed stuff in the yeah. form of taking out all wind resistance. So he has a yeah. truck that, yeah. So that's, that's, that's a form of overspeed training. So he's able to reach a higher speed than he ever normally could without any resistance there. So in turn, you're teaching your muscles um, essentially how to move faster than they actually can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, so it's a really, um, really high success rate for like increasing top end speed, which, um, so if you're thinking about uh, like what makes you fast so like a lot of jumping exercises is going to increase acceleration mm-hmm. um but we don't really care about how fast we get to our top end speed because we're running like a mile or a, even 800 doesn't really matter what matters is what our top end speed is and then how close we can get to our top end speed and hold it mm-hmm. so um in that sense that's where like our max velocity training is coming in like the I think a lot of like some plyometric stuff don't take that completely into account for distance runners because I think it's good injury prevention and like it will probably make us faster because we just never do any of it. But like for the most part, that's that's a lot more about acceleration Mm. um, and like initial power you can create. Um, And there's you know there's there's always other benefits to it, but um that top end speed is what we're really trying to get at so everything we're doing is really really fast we're not really wasting our time on these days um so we're not like i don't really think drills do much of anything like we're doing drills in the sense of like you're in a line and we're doing a drill and walking back but it's like we're not just doing a drill to like in like we're not doing like a skips and b skips really for like Mm. these days we're doing those on i think those are good like range of motion drills that we might do like on a workout day absolutely um Mm -hmm. but they're not really teaching us to like be faster or anything right so everything that we do on monday and thursday is about prepping our body to run fast the next day um okay yeah so we're doing like really fast high knees um, like as fast as you can, we're doing pogos, we're doing uh, broad jumps, we're doing wickets, we're doing accelerations, 30 meter flies, various things like that. Um, and we'll do that, you know, 20, 25 minutes, maybe 30 core, go back Tuesday. Uh, if we're middle of the year, we're doing our like 
harder VO2 max day on Tuesday um, for, you know, generic kind of repeat kind of day, whether that's actually VO2 max or faster or a little slower, it's kind of that generic track workout or, um, and then Friday we're doing our aerobic day tempo and we're pairing that with our long run the next morning so that we're getting a really really dense 24 hour block there um yeah and sunday is like shutting it off so sunday and wednesday are like sh- shut off days yeah i'm big on the um like friday saturday back to back kind of like harder efforts um i think that it's called like super compensation training it's where you're like yeah. over yeah, it's you can look it up. It's a it's a scientific term to describe kind of like pushing yourself a little bit beyond by having kind of back to back days. I mean, so for you, like your easy runs, like for your team right now, probably easy, right? Like so, your Friday workouts hard, and then you, they take their easy their long runs kind of easier. I would assume. Uh, yeah. So so right now, since we're we're not like mid season, we're kind of in a base part. We're actually mm-hmm. kind of we're doing our tempo on Tuesday. Okay. We're doing um I guess I guess you could call it like a speed endurance kind of day on Friday. So it's, you know, ten two hundreds, you know, six three hundred, something like that. Where we're not doing so much volume that we're we're too fatigued, but then we're we're getting we're moving pretty quick. Yeah. And then we're actually coming back on Saturday and doing um, like a little bit harder aerobic long run. Um, so so we're kind of getting two aerobic days in right now. And then when we get to the season, we'll we'll take our long run. It will just be a time on your feet kind of day. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's huge, though, to have those kind of back-to-back days. Um, I feel like you can really kind of make bounds in your fitness just by like being consistent with that. Uh, being able to do that week after week, it can definitely add up um, just getting a lot of aerobic stimulus in, in a two-day period, especially doing it like like a later afternoon workout followed by a morning long run because then you're, yeah. yeah, like you said, it's within 24 hours that you're getting quite a bit of running in. You might get, uh, you know, say they do a 14-mile long run and they do nine miles for the workout day on Friday. That's, you know, 20, 23 miles and within yeah. 24 hours. So it's a lot of miles and some fast ones too, so. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. I think it's uh it's important sometimes to to look at like what you're doing over like twelve hours sometimes and you know, yeah. oh like like if you can work out Friday afternoon, like you said, and then come back Saturday morning and um various things like that versus like every twenty four hours we're we're working out or every twenty four hours we're mm-hmm. we're doing something, right? Um yeah. it's it can be if you can if you can stack those and be like okay well we're gonna go evening and morning or morning and you know and like there's there's times that we'll even do uh doubles with like workouts in them where we'll do double workouts where it's uh you know tempo in the morning and then coming back for some repeats in the evening okay and then yeah. you know resting the next day or vice versa you know so okay okay Jakob Ingebrigtsen all right I see you <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i've never done that before the double workouts but i'm intrigued by it for sure i'm definitely intrigued maybe we'll uh have to throw some double threshold days <laughs> at me in the future years <laughs> have some fun with that um yeah okay let's get into the next section so actually yaka vinga is the first one i want to talk about uh <laughs> i kind of want to talk about three different you know training styles i guess so yaka vinga who's kind of the Nor- norwegian training uh you know a lot of lactate 
measurements during workouts, a lot of double threshold days, uh, you know, hill repeats, uh, relatively short, easy runs and long runs, um, you know, really kind of just a lot of threshold work basically. Uh, and then you yep. have people like Elliot Kipchoge who are kind of in that Kenyan training philosophy where it's kind of every like easy day is kind of progressive where it starts super slow. Like they literally call it the Kenyan shuffle and they kind of end going faster and, you know, longer track interval sessions in the case of Elliot, who's doing marathon work, but a lot of them do that sort of thing. Um, and obviously like really long, long runs with oftentimes farlicks in it. And then like the last thing I guess would be the, like, I just chose CJ Albertson cause he's fascinating to me. Cause the dude will just rip like 31 miles on a treadmill at five thirty pace <laughs> like out of nowhere. Um, and he's a busy guy. So like all his weeks are very, very different from the next. Um, so yeah, I kind of want to talk about those three. So we'll start with Jakob, I guess. Um, what are your thoughts on Jakob's training style with, uh, these like double threshold days and kind of like doing a lot of lactate measuring because I could see yeah. the benefit in it for sure. Yeah. Obviously it's, it's super like controlled and scientific, but I think it's also, um, like, I don't think it's that different from what Kipchoge is doing. If you, if you really break it down. So, um, I was looking at, I was kind of thinking about this when you, when, uh, you kind of brought up those two. And so, if you think about what their threshold days are, like they're really specific about it being like a true threshold or tempo day, right? So the tempo or, you know, the threshold is you're hitting um, certain millimoles and you're not going above that. He's going to ride that line. And if he rides that line appropriately, he's never, he's just pushing that threshold line all the time. He's never, going above that and never clearing lactate, right? Mm -hmm. So you can do that for about 60 minutes, right? That's tempo, Jack Daniels, all that stuff. So uh, what they're doing a lot of times is 10K and 10K, you know, 10K in the morning, 10K in the evening, everything um, that I've seen is about that. So he's doing six miles, they're doing 25 minute tempo runs, roughly. Um, and he's doing that twice a day to get to he's trying to maximize his time pushing that um that lactic threshold right so because if you're really doing tempo you can't do it for more than 60 minutes and if you right. really do tempo for 40 or 50 minutes you're basically racing right mm -hmm. you start to go to that line where it's more like a race so um like once you do it for 60 minutes that's you know that's a racing at esque effort right that's an all-out effort in that zone right. um so what they're doing is just like this is what like we kind of know that's what makes you a lot better so the way i look at it is like kind of simple they've looked at it where they're like we want to be in this zone as much as possible how can we be in this zone as much as possible well we can we can't 40 minutes straight probably beats us up too much 50 minutes straight probably beats us up too much so how can we get as close as possible how can we get the most amount out and like stay healthy well mm -hmm. probably doing it twice a day and breaking it up so the way i kind of look at it is like once you can get to 40 minutes and you're like feeling pretty recovered off of that and you're you're kind of plateauing in your your paces 
on your your threshold days well you might want to start doing two 25 minute days mm. um and that's kind of the way that i've i've broken that down um or two 30 minute days even right um yeah and um so then when you look at when you look at what kipkogi is doing they're doing you know he's maximizing he's doing 38 minutes of fart like right so they're at altitude mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh or he's doing 39 minutes of fart like on that saturday right so 40 right. minutes it's about 40 minutes of tempo stuff mm-hmm. um yeah. he's doing and then on that other tuesday that sample workout you're giving me where it's eight times 1600 at 440 pace like well on the surface that looks like marathon pace but they're at altitude and he's well that's actually that one is on a track but they're at altitude mm-hmm. so that's probably more like half marathon pace ish yeah. um mm-hmm. and they're taking two minutes recovery because they're at altitude and then he's running fast at the end right yeah. so they're in a lot of cases they're they're not doing anything like that crazy when you look at like what he's doing and then he's throwing in like it's just a little more geared towards the marathon right so then he has a really hard long run but everything is still like looking working in that same zone and maximizing that time there um just in slightly different ways right Mm. um and obviously they're running and like so kipchoge's focused on like doing those paces with 120 miles a week because you want to focus on doing hitting those paces and being able to hit those paces and recover mm-hmm. um, in a heavy volume, right? Versus Jakob, he doesn't need a long run because he's, or he doesn't need a long run like that because he's running a mile on a 5K. So the sample schedule, I've actually seen slightly different. Um, I've seen two double threshold days in his sample week. And then mm-hmm. on Saturday, so I've actually seen a slightly different schedule than the one you've sent me, yeah. where it's Tuesday double threshold, uh-huh. and I think it's Friday double threshold, okay. or maybe it's no Thursday double threshold. So it's Tuesday Thursdays, Saturday they're doing, um, just some hill repeats like three hundred meter hills, and then Sunday they're doing their long run. Okay. Um. Yeah. And when you're doing like when you're just focused on that like aerobic side it's it's not easy to recover from but it's not super intense so they're able to recover a little quicker and just like maximize their time in those zones Mm. Mm -hmm. and they obviously respond really well to it right yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah clearly just won uh, european xc champs yesterday i think uh (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's very interesting. So for those listening, uh, I did I did some sample weeks that I did just based on some research online, and what I found on Yaka was something along the lines of Monday easy run double with some drills, uh, Tuesday double threshold day, Wednesday easy run double probably. I kind of guess, but I'm sure he's doing doubles probably. Uh, Thursday easy run double with drills. Friday would be some sort of race based track session if he's kind of gearing up for a race coming up soon um saturday long run of like 21k and then sunday easy run but what yours is saying is that basically he does he sometimes does uh two double threshold days that that's a lot of threshold so that's yeah. crazy and usually when Jakob does these double threshold days like i uh, correct me if i'm wrong but usually like 
one of the the sessions and you might have mentioned this is it's just like a longer like uh 25 minute like you said 25 minute tempo straight and then the other session later in the day would be something like broken up like a broken up yeah. uh tempo session where you're doing you know like for in the case of Jakob, i think he does like 25 do to 30 of... 400s or something like oh i haven't uh, seen that but i i know they yeah. do a lot of broken k's yes um yeah yeah I know he does yeah. a ton of 400s too at, at times. I've seen that where he's done like 20 to yeah. 30, uh, depending on where he's at. Uh, so yeah, usually it's not like two big sustained tempos in the in a double threshold day, um, to my to my knowledge. But I know I know that's a thing as well. Um, I think Renato, Renato Canova does that a little bit, where he'll do like two big 10ks in the day, like on both ends of the day. I think I've seen yep. that through Sweat Elite's YouTube channel. Uh, so yes. that's a little different. I mean, what, how, yeah, compare those, I guess. What, where, where is, are they both good? What, when should you do the broken up tempo? And then when should you do just two sustained tempo efforts? How are they different? So the, well, the thing with Jakob is everything's measured, right? So everything's, everything's about staying at those certain millimoles, right? So when you're doing something continuous, you you risk going out of it a lot more. So I believe they do a lot of broken stuff to make sure they're really, really careful about where they're at on their lactate actual readings. The right. the Canova stuff is actually that that leads our way into CK Albertson, who mm-hmm. um, I believe he's even said that he's been inspired by Canova. Um, but Canova, you know, that's the special block if you've if you've heard of those mm-hmm. um yeah and and it and it gets into kind of the the way that um that third the the extreme of that third bucket that i was talking about for like coaching philosophies where mm-hmm. it's like i mean they'll do back-to-back days of two 30 mile long runs and then um you know not run for like four days <laughs> yeah um mostly insane so it's you know it's it's like really intense super compensation um high low stuff right so um i i understand personally i understand where the idea comes from i i'm just like not completely comfortable going there yet (laughs) um (laughs) Like I, I get the idea and appeal of it on that extreme end of it, but it's like, yeah. um, I, I, I do wonder about like the injury risk and like how many people can handle it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of what CJ does, right? So CJ explored some like really intense sessions, and when you think about it, um, it's just like a, another Canova kind of mm-hmm. up and down. Like, oh, this week's really hard. This week's really easy. This week's a thirty mile long run. Um, it's really interesting, but I think, you know, he, from the interviews I've seen, he's kind of stumbled his way into what's worked for him. Right. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's awesome. But he was like, yeah, I kind of like harder efforts. And then he's like, I really like harder efforts. (laughs) I really like long, hard efforts. And so, um, I think the part that I'm actually really, really intrigued about right now is, how we can more quickly identify what the best like course of action is for each athlete right Mm -hmm. um 
because I don't know if every athlete would respond to a Canova type philosophy and how many would break and how many would just not improve that much. Um, right. And, you know, I think when you're in a team component, there's like, okay, well, this is my philosophy and this is why. Um, and you, you adapt it to the most kids that you can. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I do wonder sometimes about like, is there a way we could identify every every kid like very quickly of like, oh, they're going to really respond to like really high density stuff in yeah. like a short period of time. And, oh, this person's going to really respond to like spacing that density out over six days and then giving them three days easy and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, things I things I don't know, but just kind of contemplate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think like it can be a very difficult thing to and take a lot of time to really figure out what truly is optimal for an athlete. Uh, so that's that's often why, like as a coach, sometimes it takes a year or more to figure out really what's going to work best for you know someone you're coaching, uh, because like no one's the same, everyone's built different, and uh, you know works best off maybe something slightly different from the next athlete so it's not like you can you can't really just say that like one thing is best for all like i don't think you could say that everyone should be norwegian training (laughs) like i just i don't think that would necessarily work for the everyone in the world like i don't think everyone could do double threshold days and sustain it and not not get hurt um i mean yaka's been working running hard since like i don't know how young very young um and has been very involved with his father's coaching and that his dad has brought him up well and so he's worked him into this the what he's doing now but obviously like not everyone can just do what Jakob is doing it might take time to work people up into a different system so um yeah I think that's very interesting and um I just wanted to talk about <laughs> CJ a little bit because it just cracks me up but uh like I watched the sweat elite video on this guy um and he like gave a tour of his house and he has like a homemade sauna. Like he made this sauna in his room and it's just like, it's like a square cardboard box in the corner of his bedroom that he lays in sometimes that has like heated lamps in it. And he'll just lay in there for like 15 minutes. And it's like kind of cramped. Like he has to like curl up in a ball. Like it's like a torture chamber. <laughs> it's just crazy. Like this dude's insane. Um, and like recently he ran about, I guess is yeah. Three weeks out from now, he ran, he ran his, uh, he ran the 50k world record. Uh, he ran it in 238.43 for those who are listening, which is 503 per mile pace. Now I think it was like unofficial because it. I don't know if it was an officiated course, um, but nonetheless, it was pretty crazy. Um, and three weeks out from it, his week. This is what his week looked like. So on Monday he did 17 miles in total, doing a 12.5 double. On Tuesday he did eight miles, just easy. That was it. And then Wednesday, he did 19 miles total with 10 in the morning, doing 10, 12 by 800 and 212 to 22 with one downhill 800 in two minute. Kind of like what you were mentioning with the downhill, like sprinting, kind of, but not really because it's 800. So it's <laughs> but still, like you're putting a lot of stress on your system by doing a downhill 800. Um, and then he did nine miles at 601 pace in that after in the evening. So kind of like you said, he that's kind of like a. I mean, it's not really Renata Canova, but he is stressing his system quite a bit just in that day with two hard aerobic efforts back to back. Um, 
And then Thursday was just 17 miles, 10 easy, seven easy in the afternoon, in the evening. And then he did basically 20 miles on Friday with 10 and a half with nine by 1200 and 324 to 32, which is like 436 to 48 per mile pace in the morning. And then he did nine that night at 526 a mile. Again, another day where he's doing two pretty hard efforts. I mean, for him, 526 miles, probably not that hard, but still two fairly hard efforts back to back in the same day. And these days were only two. We only had one day recovery in between those two efforts on Wednesday and Friday, which is like kind of surprising to me. Uh, I would have, I would have thought he'd give himself like a little bit more rest, but um, I think on Tuesday, he like has something with his team. He ran with his team because he coaches a team. Yeah. Um, so like, I think he probably would have done it Tuesday if he could, but I think he had like a commitment <laughs> with his coaching. If I had to guess, um, cause he ran with a bunch of his athletes on that day. I saw like a bunch of other athletes who ran with him. And then um, Saturday, he just did 15 total, five to five and then 10. And then Sunday was a pretty crazy day for him. He did 31 miles with one mile warm up into 30 miles at 515 a mile with 450 to close because he wanted to get his average pace down. <laughs> so, I mean, like that was three weeks out from his 50 care world record. And yeah. um, I don't know, like you just see stuff like that with CJ and it's it's just kind of wild. I mean, in the he did the Boston Marathon this last year, and like, I, did you watch the Boston Marathon? Did you see what he did in the beginning? Yeah, yeah. yeah like he just took it out like so <laughs> hard, um, and then kind of died a little bit. But like that's how he wanted to race it. And I remember listening to a podcast. He mentioned how he wanted to do that. Um, but like, like, do you think this like? <laughs> who does this work for like this training is just crazy to me i don't like, yeah do you have any I think, thoughts on cj's training I just uh, want to hear that yeah i think it's it's obvious that like his superhuman ability is his recovery right so again when you like really simplify it uh what he's able to do is stress his aerobic like he's able to hit um, kind of what I've heard people call like an aerobic, um, like aerobic max um, just all the time, right? Kind of that like marathon pace, like aerobic max kind of area. And he's just able to hit that or like a little faster down to like half marathon pace, just always. Mm-hmm. He's able to recover from it. Like what I think would be really interesting would be how he would handle like I mean, he kind of does it here going down to like 420 pace, but like, I think it'd be really interesting to see how he would respond to like a 5k block. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very clear that everything that like his ability, his superhuman ability is to be able to handle those aerobic volumes and recover. Mm -hmm. Um, I think super shoes probably help a lot, right? Like i yeah, but true. like you can also look like I think we we probably talk so much about things now where like everyone's like, oh, you're an idiot if you train like that. And you listen to like how some of the guys in the 60s and 70s trained, like it was kind of like this. And we had a lot more better marathoners. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, it kind of was. true. It yeah. was, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, But like people are afraid to like take those kind of risks and like and do what he's doing now you might break some more eggs people might get a lot more hurt but like there might be two dozen cjs out there you know 
or Bill Rogers or Frank Shorter's, right? Like I remember hearing an interview with Frank Shorter once talking about running 180 miles a week. And he said, and it was, you know, all I, all we wanted to do was run. We ran two times a day, sometimes three. And like, you know, it, it worked, right. They didn't get hurt and it worked. He was working a construction job in Florida. Like, I think sometimes we get scared by these like training crazy training weeks is like unsustainable when mm-hmm. when really it's just like that person a their suit their superhuman ability is recovery so they yeah. should train harder <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's a really good point because i think a lot of people when they initially see how cj trains they're just kind of their first reaction is that guy's an idiot what is he yeah. doing um, which fair, like <laughs> fair to react that way. Just initially seeing 31 miles on a treadmill at five fifteen pace. But if you really come to know the athlete, you'll know that CJ is like an anomaly in the professional running scene that he, he can do these crazy big efforts, which longer than the marathon that race at very fast paces and still recover well and not get hurt. Um, yeah, he, he has a pretty good the... history with that. He doesn't really get yeah. injured. I think the the million dollar question with anyone with Jakob, CJ, any really is just like I think CJ is probably even the best best case, you know, with so with how extreme he's doing things is, because mm-hmm. um, like you'll hear an argument that like, you know, and I think this is pro- mostly true. The athlete makes the coach, right? So. If you give relatively the right stimulus to the athlete, like that athlete is probably ta- really talented and gonna figure it out. Like the best, ta- the best, most talented athletes are just gonna figure it out. Mm-hmm. These are, mm-hmm. and the coach might be making the difference of like the one percent sometimes, maybe where they're like no, 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 like this one, this is really going to work for you or this, you know, those things. But um, for the top of the top, I think it's, you are what you are to an extent. And it would be really interesting. Um, like I'm sure a bunch of different coaches could cho- coach Jakob and he would be nearly as successful, right? Like he's not becoming a thir- 340, 1500 meter runner. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a certain like you might might only run three thirty one. Yeah, instead know, of three twenty nine. Yeah. But what's interesting is like, you know, for someone like CJ when he's doing something so extreme, is like, okay, well this got you to two ten or whatever. Would something more sustainable or something we think it more sustainable get you to two oh eight? Or is that truly the best thing for you? Or would you actually be a two fifteen guy with like more traditional stuff and it was you know something we probably never know but i think it'd be really interesting Hmm. so do you think that his 50k hurt his race in several i believe i believe it was several uh he dropped Mm -hmm. out like he dropped out really early um do you think that maybe that impacted his race day because there's people throwing out that he might get the american (laughs) record that day because if that when you look back on his 50k world record he he split like two ten or no two eleven through the marathon in that in that race, and he didn't really taper much for that. So yeah. like yeah, like do you think that that affected his race day or like 
there's probably other factors honestly yeah yeah i mean he's he's shown he can do those kind of efforts back to back but um i also think you're you're probably you're risking um anytime you you're going that hard for that long you're you're risking like recovery and injury right Mm -hmm. so um that's i mean that's what keeps people from doing it right yeah um so it's it's you know he he might benefit from having a coach that can hold that effort to you know 40k it's like hey you're you're gonna be just as good from 40k and and it's gonna save you for right but at the same time you you don't know why like i mean i don't know why he dropped out exactly right this is all all guessing but (laughs) um you know i think i think that's that's the important part of having a coach is you know the best the best athlete coach relationship is when the coach is holding the athlete back right Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i agree i think that's important because as you know if you get if you're self-coached or yeah if you think mostly for yourself in terms of your training like it can be very easy to get caught up in your ego and want to just maybe work too hard and hurt, like get injured a lot like me so <laughs> it's really good it's really valuable to have that person to kind of dial you back a little bit and like they'll still let you work hard but they'll also make sure you're not doing something really stupid uh, which I think CJ self-coached actually. I don't think he has a coach. Um, yeah, but, uh, he is. I, I believe he is, which is one of yeah. the reasons that yeah. I, uh, you know. But that's that, that's the stuff. Like I do wonder for someone like him, like, um, so like obviously what he's done has worked. Like he's mm-hmm. made remarkable improvements since college, mm-hmm. and it's like clearly the right type of coaching for him. But I do mm-hmm. wonder, like. Yeah, like would you really have not been as good if you just did twenty five miles instead of thirty? Yeah, at five fifteen yeah. base. Yeah. Like, like uh, the the risk versus reward mm-hmm. at those at some of the stuff he does is um, is where it gets where it gets crazy, right? But he's proven he can keep doing it. So yeah, yeah. All right, let let's uh, go into the workout yeah. section here. Um, so I just like, I think for the general audience, maybe a lot of people don't know kind of the purposes behind each work, like workouts that they've done. Maybe they've, they have a coach and, uh, the coach doesn't make it super clear to them what the purpose of each workout is, or they're just kind of doing it, but they don't know what they're doing it for. So I'd be curious to, to hear from you kind of what your thoughts are on some more basic workouts first, and then kind of look at a couple like weirder ones from professional Mm -hmm. athletes, uh, just to entertain them a little bit. Um, so I guess, first of all, this is pretty basic, but, uh, you know, just like a standard, you know, say 20 to 30 minute tempo or four to six mile tempo or something. What, where do you use this in, in, yeah. Where do you use this and why? What's kind of the purpose behind it? All year. All year. Absolutely. All year. year. I think, well, I think, you know, one thing, one thing people forget is like a lot of people start oh, I'm just, oh, I've, I'm ran really fast. Like, oh, it's early season. I ran really fast off this tempo. And then they don't get any faster all year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you stopped doing tempo runs and what got you really fit is tempo runs. 
<laughs> like Absolutely. you you like forget what got you there right so like you're like you're like oh i won't i won't I w- i'm gonna get so much faster once i start speed work and you forget about what actually got you really fit and you mm-hmm. like don't incorporate those enough so when we're in season we're doing those every 10 days to two weeks um just like retouching it whether that's um broken up or just straight um do a lot of something to fill that box every every two weeks at at the minimum so tempos are key absolutely (laughs) the more tempos you can get in before race specific work the stronger your base is going to be the faster you're going to be able to peak um so absolutely next one is uh standard mile repeats maybe you do four to six around roughly 10k pace uh you might maybe you work it down a little bit towards the end closer to 5k pace but generally it's around 10k pace you say you're like 90 seconds rest kind of what when would you when do you do that and why uh so we're gonna hit like a 10k pace kind of effort every and it's and it's that you know critical velocity right the tin man cv pace um and we're gonna hit that every probably like every other week um again kind of that two weeks kind of thing i would say it's like some sort of tempo um it, it probably integrates with the next one you have in and outs it's probably mm-hmm. some kind of cv or in and outs um so when it you say goes cv on, what do you mean by that so cv stands for critical velocity it's the tin man saying it's basically your 30 minute pace or more or less your 10k pace um and so he called yeah he calls it critical velocity um the way i think about it is um you know vo2 max is something that kind of burns you out a little bit Mm -hmm. um and like in in like simple terms i think cv is that beautiful pace that that's pushing your that's aerobic while still giving you a little bit of like speed work um Mm -hmm. it's not going to burn you out you can you can hit it a lot you can you know it's not just tempo pace um it's kind of in that it's a it's a nice like in between Mm -hmm. um but yeah we're gonna do that we're gonna do basically over like a two-week period we're gonna hit um let's say mid mid cross country or mid like mid track season so we're like getting ready to kind of peak we're going cv or in and outs type kind of workout for like this is for like a 5k kind of runner Mm -hmm. um threshold long run next tuesday we're doing like vo2 tempo again friday so we might Mm -hmm. in that case we're tempoing every week but Mm -hmm. um and sometimes that tempo moves to like a cv pace Mm -hmm. but yeah so you'll when like these cv pace runs you won't consider this to kind of hit more like a like close to a threshold effort you'll you'll kind of do a threshold in that same week as well because sometimes what i do is i'll do like i'll prescribe a mile repeats one day where it's you know i guess cv you call it uh and then another day i'll do more speed like faster stuff like uh like 800 and down do you see a reason behind that that? okay okay because like sometimes i'll consider the mile repeats as the aerobic work for the week and then i'll throw in more of a, something faster in the other day so um i guess you can see the merit in both 
So yeah, 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 for sure. And we finish a lot of those mile. We finish a lot of those days with. Um, we finish a lot of any of these days with with some speed at the end, anyways. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and a lot of times we'll do. We'll actually do. I've I've given you a hard time about this before a little bit, but like like I'm really I'm I'm very like I think each coach should define exactly what they mean with their paces and like I think if I'm doing like we'll do six by a mile at tempo pace, not 10k pace. Tempo pace is the pace you can hold for an hour in my like in my really pretty rigid like Hey, this is the pace we want to hit for this zone, right? And like try to mm-hmm. define those and like everyone defines them differently, which is why I'm like, well, what do you consider tempo? What do you consider threshold? Because everyone calls it something different. But for the sake of simplicity, I'm like, tempo pace is this, mm-hmm. 10K pace is X, or CV pace is X, mm-hmm. and you know, go from there, right? So yeah. um yeah. we'll do six by mile with a minute rest at tempo just to break it up a little bit so we get a, maybe a little more volume. Well, yeah. when we do something straight, we're just going four or five yeah. miles. Okay, so. cool. Next workout would be the in and outs you mentioned. Um, I know you like these. Um, I like them a lot too, actually. I think they, <laughs> they have a, a good place, uh, really good for like marathon training, I think, like half marathon training. Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you ever use these for like 5K training or, or shorter? All the time. Yeah, so I guess to, to those listening, it'd be something like four to eight by 1K where you're going kind of faster than goal race pace and then you follow it up with a 1k a little slower than race pace so you're kind of sandwiching your run where you're never actually running at the race effort you're kind of like going around it so talk to that one a little bit like what where do you see that fitting into a training block and yeah what's the kind yeah, of purpose of that i think it depends a lot like with everything it depends on how you're doing it and why like how how you're doing it and what paces you're running right so the way I actually always do these is um, in the way that I've just grown doing them. And there's a bunch of different ways to do it, but there's, there's people that do it around half marathon pace or something where they're doing 10 K. Like I know some, some people that will say, well, the, the, the out or the easy part has to be, you know, they do less reps, but the out is at like 10 K pace and the in is at mile pace maybe they're shorter you can do i know people that do them at you know 200s like it's the classic you actually pre the classic prefontaine like challenge workout was the 200 200 right same idea Mm -hmm. it's 30 seconds 40 seconds 30 seconds 40 seconds how long can you hold it for so um the way i've always done them is actually 5k pace and then um for like a 14 ish minute guy it's 5k ish pace if you're doing it on a track um we always well, i always like to do these on grass and something rolling so it's a little slower than that but mm. um so like 800s it would be like 225 220 um and then three minutes so you're actually like going significantly slower than even marathon pace but it's mm. it's just enough that you're like really you're still working aerobically and you're yeah. just flushing out that um you're getting like if you're doing it at 5k pace right that's getting pretty close to like some vo2 stuff um 
So you're, you're getting, you're flushing, you're filling with lactic acid and then you're teaching your body to flush it. Right. So these, then in general, that's the purpose behind these, which I'm a big believer in. Um, so it's, uh, flood, flood, flush, flood, flush. And the better you can flush, the faster you're going to run. Yeah. I like that. I, I, I love in and outs because like it teaches you to get comfortable even at the, like the, the out pace, like the slower pace, which you could call it a float if you want. Sometimes it serves as kind of like a float recovery where you're still moving, but you're going slower, but it can really help make faster paces feel slower. Like the being able to recover quote unquote with the, uh, like float recovery. I think it has a lot of benefit. I like big on, I don't know if this is like serves a similar purpose, but I really like doing like hill repeats where you're going up a hill for the majority of it. And then the last bit you're going flat. So you're like getting this like rush of like lactic acid as you hit the flat and then you're kind of flushing it out as you finish the rep. It's like, I really like those two. So I, I feel like those kind of serve a similar purpose in a way. Um, one definitely more geared towards like speed development, but um, yeah. yeah, I really like those as well. I think they are similar. Um, and then cool. And then the, how often will you do those actually out of curiosity? Like, I guess it depends. Uh, I think, yeah, I think those kind of, for me, those probably take place of, or they're, they're pretty similar to that. Um, 10 K the pace CV pace. Yeah. The CV, mm-hmm. like they kind of interchange there. Right. Because you're, yeah. you're, if the way I usually do them is you're, you're running five K pace. So like you're mm-hmm. getting in some pretty fast running when you're running when on your ends. Um, and then, so that's, that's kind of your, the way I kind of think of it is like, there's one, there's one like aerobic day and there's one like go day, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, um, that would be, that would be a go day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, last one of the more basic workouts will be like a standard 5k race pace workout, like five by K at 5k pace where you're maybe earlier in the season you're doing 90 second thrust but ideally at peak shape you'd be doing 60 seconds rest uh what was kind of the purpose of that yeah where do you use that and when uh i almost never used it <laughs> really you don't yeah. like that one uh so i think sometimes i think to me it always felt like um kind of like busy work (laughs) like if you can run if you can run five times a k with a minute rest why don't you just race like i would rather do five times a k with three minutes rest at like 3k pace Uh, interesting okay okay (laughs) i like that Uh, all right all right (laughs) yeah yeah um i mean it's not to say i won't ever do it but um usually um, usually if we're getting towards that low of a pace, um, I don't want to, like, I don't, I want to give a little more rest and get either get the volume, either get the volume a little high or go faster than that. Like 5k pace. If you actually think about 5k pace, um like a vo2 pace is 10 10 to 12 minutes right Mm -hmm. um so it's a little more like 3k pace 
um, for most people um, or two mile pace, you know, depending on the person, it's pretty rarely 5k pace. So 5k Mm. pace is kind of in this no man's land. And if you're not trying to get in like a boatload of volume with it, and you're just doing like five times a K with a minute rest, um, I just think you can do something a little more purposeful. Mm. Um, Like just hitting the underside and going faster, but giving yourself more rest. So if interesting. Okay. So if you give your, if say you focus on volume instead, maybe you would do what, like you would do eight by K with like 75 or 90 seconds rest at five K pace. Or is that, was that, is that what you would do if you went more volume based? Yeah, we'd probably do at least like at least six or seven, um, Uh depending on, again, like I do, I mean, I do think like my goal, my general goal from like, and this comes from my college coach is like the less rest you can take, the better. Like, like, uh, like I remember asking him about altitude training once and he just, he was like, yeah, I don't really like altitude training. And I was like, why? He's like, well, you have to take too much rest there to run fast. And I don't like rest. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I mean, it, and, it, like, and it's like simple, but it's like, well, we're trying to do everything continuous. Like I can run 200s all day. If you give me 30, even just 30 seconds rest. Right. Yeah. I can run, I can run as fast as you want for a 200 all day almost. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's like a certain line where like you have to be doing, um, you have to have like a certain, certain goal with the training and it's not just, uh, yeah, it's not just like busy work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. All right. <laughs> I wouldn't have expected that. Cause that's like, in my eyes, that's kind of a classic, but I guess. I can see, I can see, <laughs> I can see where you're coming from with that. It's definitely a very hard workout, and by the end of it, yeah. you're kind of dead. So, yeah, I guess there's a time and a place. Um, okay, so I, I call this the weirder workouts. I guess these are kind of more <laughs> like I don't know workouts I see on Strava, maybe or, or through the web that I I find a little bit more interesting. Uh, the first of which was something you know Ben Blankenship uh, did recently. He did six by mile with two minute rest working down to 90 seconds rest also while progressing the pace. So he's working down the rest and he's working down the pace throughout. He started at 458 and by the end of it, he was running 438. So that's like, I don't know. I just don't understand why you would decrease both factors. Like I'm, I kind of always thought that it's better to only mess with one variable in like a workout. So either decreasing the pace or decreasing the rest throughout which i've never really messed with the latter but i'd be curious to hear your thoughts on kind of do you see merit in doing this sort of workout where you're decreasing both at the same time yeah um it's not something that i've messed around with too much in you know the way he's doing it but i i thought about thought about this one for a little while which was in my like the way that i kind of broke it down and like what they're what I would guess he's trying to accomplish is like, so when you look at it, the first one, the first one of the repeats is like 458. I think, like you said, mm-hmm. the second one kind of looked like he just got carried away and went 441 because he goes yeah. back up. So yeah. I think, I think the goal on the first, like three or four, and we don't know when he started taking 90 seconds rest. He wasn't super clear. It could have just been the last one. Right. Right. So um, when I looked at it, kind of the goal, I think, is like those early miles are 
essentially just like, Hey, I'm a marathoner. Now I want volume. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, he's like, all right, now that I'm at, and and it's playing safe too, because he's at altitude. So you have to take a little more rest there. So he's like, I want to make sure I get my volume in. And then he gets to the last few parts, which is more like 5k, 10k pace. And he's like, all right, now these last two or three should really hurt. And we're going to get like some VO2 kind of stimulus here. Mm-hmm. That's the way I kind of broke it down. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, um, maybe this is absolutely incorrect, but like, it's like doing maybe three miles at tempo and then following that up with, you know, three miles at 10k to 5k, like where yeah. you're in a way. Yeah, I think that's, that's kind of the way that I thought about it. Um, yeah. I think yeah. it's a little hard to know. Cause I, it, but I think that was like, you know, if he, especially if he just did it for his last two or something where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I got my volume in now because now, now this volume is way more important for me. Right. Yeah. Now, being a marathoner, like I have to do everything on tired legs. Yeah. So like 458 paces, a walk in the park for him. Right. Yeah. So he's like, I got my volume in and now it's time to hurt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. I don't think I'll ever mess with that one, but it's <laughs> interesting to look at. <laughs> yeah. Sure. That was actually the run where he mentioned that he's a firm believer, in no garbage mileage. He said, yeah, he's, I actually put the quote up. He said, I'm a firm believer, in no garbage mileage running mm-hmm. 90 plus miles for the next few weeks. And if it, if runs start to fade from six thirties to seven, I'll cash it in. Currently most <laughs> runs average around six thirties. <laughs> yeah. He's an interesting guy for sure. He's going to be debuting in the marathon. Uh, so that's exciting um we'll see how he does i think he'll do really well uh yeah i'm really curious to see that yeah because he's comes from kind of a 5k 10k background so um i think he'll do really well honestly his workouts have been really good um and i think he has a really strong base so that'll be exciting and then the other guy is uh mocha who uh very uh popular spanish athlete i believe very very fast um he ran 20 by 400 at like 68 to 69 with 30 seconds rest. I watched this on Sweat Elise channel actually. They posted a video the other day. It was 30 seconds rest and they took he took lactate measurements every 5 reps. Uh so the rest was a little bit longer after each fifth 400. Uh so it's probably closer like it's probably closer like a minute minute and a half in those on the you know every fifth after every fifth rep. Um but I this is kind of weird to me. I mean 20 by 400 that's you know that's five miles at tempo pace but it's like faster than tempo it's really like c it's not even cv pace for him though because he's stupid fast i mean but if you think about it he's running 69 to 68 that's 432 or 436 to 32 a mile at altitude he's higher up so that's not really oh it's at altitude too yeah it was at altitude so keeping that all in mind he's doing 20 by 400 at 30 seconds rest at probably about cv Barely below, yeah, at CV. Like, that seems a little crazy. Um, yeah. Um, I don't see why you wouldn't just do, like, a sustained longer effort I think the, at that point. The, the, so, the reason to not, the reason to break something up is volume, right? Mm-hmm. If you do a four-mile tempo, that's... Uh, that's less volume 
at potentially a slightly slower pace. Mm-hmm. So he's at altitude, so he has to take more rest. So if he goes up to mile repeats, he might have to take two minutes, three minutes, right? Um, maybe not that long, but he has to take probably more. So like he's probably trying to control as little rest as possible, as continuous as possible. And they settled on 430 seconds. Um, and then you can tell he's really trying to control where his lactate is taking lactate readings, right? So they're trying by breaking it up, they're trying to be really, really dialed into like these exact measurements. And you can't really do that when you're going for long, long efforts. Um, yeah. Couldn't have you think, just done like five by mile with two minute rest at 10 K. Cause like that gives you time still to, you're only doing mile repeat. So you still have time to do intensity control, get your lactate measurements after each rep. Yep. And, that of 30 yep. seconds so yeah. so what's in what's important to keep in mind i think i think that's probably true but what's important to keep in mind is when and why they were doing it so depending on what the rest of the week was they might have wanted this to be to me 20 by 400 is easier than five by a mile so they might have looked at this and been like well we want we want this volume and we want this effort but we want this to be as easy to recover from as possible yeah. Um, I mean, in the video, he was claiming it's like one of the harder workouts he does. Like <laughs> he made so, it known that to him, it's like a pretty hard workout. So I don't know if they, they were taking him as an easier. Well, yeah, I'm not one. Well, yeah. I mean, that's fair, fair enough because that is, I think that would be a pretty darn pretty hard workout at those paces and efforts. But yeah. um, the general point is like five by a mile with a, Two minutes to me is five by a mile is harder, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's a more strenuous effort on your body. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, I may you know maybe maybe it's maybe I'm maybe I'm just wrong there, but to me, um, the like I would be curious. Like the the question to ask him would be, well, would it be harder if you did five by a mile with ninety seconds rest? Yeah. Yeah. Um I think it would be. Yeah. But it doesn't mean twenty by four hundred's easy. It just means yeah. it might be a more sustainable way to get that volume in at that pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thirty seconds rest is crazy short. I've never yeah. that's insane. I mean, that's nothing. <laughs> and it was like a really wet, slippery track. So I'm think if the conditions were better, he would have been running closer to sixty seven to sixty like sixty eight down to sixty six um because it was like really slippery and like terrible conditions so he's crazy and his lactate was didn't get go over like three by the end of the workout so he was keeping it like pretty low like like pretty pretty low which is crazy yeah that and that's well that's beast. one other that's one other thing to keep in mind when you can when you cut those efforts um a little shorter you're keeping your lactate a little lower as well so you can mm-hmm. keep your range at that so like if he runs that same pace for a mile that lactate at the end of that mile is going to be higher than if he does four by four because it's always it's yeah. kind of slowly going up right so that's true so this is that's probably another part of it where like they're trying to look for a certain millimoles and they're trying to stay in that range as long as possible. Like what would be really curious is like if he was having an off day and he got to 17 
and their millimoles were too high if he would just stop or not. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. Well, we'll go into mm -hmm. like, I'll just ask a couple questions from the next one. I don't want to keep you too long. It's been a, a good bit of time. Uh, so we'll just talk a little about your coaching and then we'll just wrap it up. So I guess I'd be curious to hear about um, how do you approach individual versus team coaching? Like obviously outside of the obvious difference of your coaching a team versus one person, <laughs> but like, what are some of the key differences that you, you could note between the two and how do you kind of approach them differently? Yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty different when it's cross country versus track. Right. So, uh, and it depends on how big your group is. Right. So if when, as our team gets bigger here and cross country, we'll maybe break up into two groups um, where it's, and we'll we'll break up into smaller groups than that for like each workout, but I mean two groups in the sense of like what their plans are for each week. Mm -hmm. um, but right now in cross country, we're more or less going with one group, um, just because even that middle distance person that might respond a little bit better to something else, you know, they don't want to work out by themselves all the time, and we don't have that big of a team yet. So, um, for the most part it's small, small changes within the group in cross country and everyone's following a, you know, a team plan because we're all racing the same distance and we're just trying to adjust things in a, in a way that best fits each athlete within a group environment. And then when we get to track, um, I tried my best to just break up each group of athletes into so obviously you have your middle distance they're going to do something a little different but then what within that you're going to have your distance kid that's a little less volume a little more speed oriented and your distance kid that's mm -hmm. aerobic powerhouse right yeah so it's just trying it, for me it's just trying to individualize within a group setting um and doing your best um your best to make sure each athlete is getting what they need. But it's also, mm. you know, I think with the team, it's important to, to remember sometimes the best workout isn't the best workout for that kid because there's other factors going into it with like having someone to run with, you know, not feeling isolated, not feeling, you know, feeling like they're a part of a team, feeling like they have people to like that are invested in them. Right. And if you're constantly pulling like one athlete out and just making them work by themselves because they're like, well, you're a mid-distance athlete and you don't really have anyone else to work out with her. Yeah. Um, the athlete's probably going to be kind of miserable <laughs> and probably not really respond the way you think they would. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a give and take there. Um, mm -hmm. And then for like individual, like individual coaching is, um, it's, it's just always, it's just communication with them, right? Constant communication and feedback, mm -hmm. it, you know, adjusting there. Um, and that's, I mean, it's, and that's still the case in the team thing, team aspect, right? Like your relationship with your athlete should always be evolving mm -hmm. and you should always be getting their feedback. Um, and from there, like, I don't know how much you can learn about an athlete and like really, individualize and coach with them and 
until you're like significantly into that relationship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know <laughs> Every, like there's not that many different workouts to give so you start giving out like generic workouts and mm-hmm. see how they do <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like i said it just takes a lot of time to learn how an individual yeah. is going to respond to your coaching methods um so yeah i think that's a good point uh next question would be coaches you're inspired by and why uh it's a it's a good question uh inspired by i mean my my college coach you know means like really means the world to me like i really think the culture they were able to build there and you know the environment we were able to train in is something i'm always trying to replicate um and then i think you know there's a lot of i think there are a couple other coaches that i think really do it the right way um like lisa bresnot michigan state um and there's and then like i i think i'm just always talking to like i have a lot of peers like takashi gold who's at trinity um he's someone i lean on a lot for for advice and he He's someone I I appreciate because he would say I'm a pretty laid back, like run by feel kind of coach. Um, that's kind of where I came from. Mm-hmm. And he's a very scientific kind of coach. So we can kind of push each other in those ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think, I think the bigger thing is I just listen and talk to a lot of coaches. Um, but those are, three people I lean on a lot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's see. What is your favorite coaching experience today? If you had to pick one, whether it's individual uh, or team. Yeah. Uh, personal coaching stuff is, uh, is prom- probably just, uh, just last year. It's actually, I was coaching out of high school and, um, I didn't know where coaching was going to completely fall into my life. Um, you know, when you're a young coach, you're jumping around a lot. So mm-hmm. um, life had taken taken us in a few different directions. And I was like, all right, well, you know, maybe I'm just going to coach at high school and, you know, enjoy, enjoy just coaching athletes, right? Like maybe I'm not going to do this as like a full-time job. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was kind of going through that, that phase of my life and, uh, for the, that spring, uh, I got to work with a athlete there that, you know, she had an incredible season and, um, really like had the first, it, not the first time, but like first time in a long time, I really enjoyed like the process of coaching mm. um, again, because I had been like, you know, in and out and volunteering at places and, um, you know, coaching athletes that didn't care at schools and, you know, stuff like that. And uh, that was like a really rewarding, mm. rewarding few months where worked with a really dedicated athlete that like really achieved a lot and um was able to help them achieve a lot and yeah it was really rewarding yeah that's kind of the best <laughs> athlete to coach is the one that is gonna 
be dedicated and do what you, you tell them to do and not fight it too much or I mean you know there's not you can't control what the athlete does you can <laughs> tell them what to do but they might not do it so <laughs> when you have the athlete that actually does what you tell them to do they can it can go a long way uh, in kind of getting them to their goal so yeah definitely I agree with that um oh, we'll close it out man because uh <laughs> it's been a, it's been a long time so yeah I guess uh any just tips for anyone looking to become a better coach before we while we close it out here? <laughs> uh yeah, I think I think I hear a lot of coaches say, you know, generic things like, "Well, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel," and things like that. Um, and I think when you're, I think when you open your mind up to like some different things and like just listen, just try to listen and learn and be adaptable and don't just like do things because of the way that's how you did them or you know but you know that's what you know right um there's like a whole whole new world there that like really benefits athletes yeah that's good <laughs> that's a good one all right man well thanks so much for coming on yours it was a good chat yeah uh yeah we'll have to talk again soon i'll uh so. have to ping you when i got run out of my four <laughs> weeks i wrote up so you can right up the next four weeks for me <laughs> sounds good man all right sick thanks for coming on man yeah. appreciate it yep. have a good we'll one bye, bye. <laughs>